Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you could have first heard this episode nine months ago if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering. For the price of a pint and a St. Clements each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes, lots of other marvellous benefits, and there's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that will get right on your ticks. Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash ironfilings. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go, this is it! This is Top Flight Time Machine, I am Andy Hotbody Dawson, pow, pow, pow! I'm Sam Nifty Delaney, so what? Welcome along to the Yesterday's Hero episode. I think we're we're at about eleven hours now of this covering yeah. a film that lasts no longer than ninety minutes. It's ridiculous. Um, There's well, a lot to get your teeth into. There is, you know? there is. I mean, we'll get there in the end. But um, it's a great film. It's a great film. It's yesterday's and hero. And the thing is, the thing about great films is if there's great performances in it, which there very much is in this film. Right, is mm. that the whole art of acting and writing, I suppose, is that you are indicating or implying like a hundred times more than you are actually showing. Yeah? Oh right, yeah. Yeah. Is that what it's is, so that, like, is that what acting's about? Is that the secret? Acting uh, and and writing. If you're writing fiction, I suppose. You mm. know, like he's like Jackie Collins is writing this and mm. the characters are saying one thing but we as human beings we're very complicated aren't we so you know you might say some one thing but that isn't 100% what you mean you're conveying a million different messages every a time million? you speak a million well let's say uh, let's say around dozen 10 all right 10 messages ten right messages. that's a lot what what and when then, we, and then, we are conveying 10 messages now having this conversation is that 10 each that's right yeah you're saying a lot of different things about yourself about where you're from where you're going what your vision is yeah right and that's just in the writing the dialogue but then you've got Ian McShane doing all his lovely acting and with every little look or mannerism or Mm. movement or gesture he is conveying more and what we as professional analysts are doing is digging into all of those sort of meanings below the surface hence 11 hours of chat and all the subtext and everything that, that subtext comes with exactly it. that yeah the, yeah because we're going down quite a few tributaries of analysis aren't we we're not sticking exactly. completely to the set text if you want to call it that no but, but um, i think that's legitimate i, I mean i right. i for my a level i had to study like for instance um, Sons and Lovers, which is the book by D.H. Lawrence, mm. right? And um, you wouldn't believe it. Like, it was a book, I mean, as I remember, it's about a family of miners. Mm. Dad's a bit of a bastard. The mum is in love with her son, or at least that's what the teacher said. I didn't pick up on that, but the teacher insisted there was something going on there, yeah. right? 
there's a couple of good fights and a lot of drinking, right? right. And some birds are on the scene as well. That's basically my summary of Sons and Lovers. But right. then I went into the bookshop to think, I wonder if I can get any crib notes that can tell me what the fuck's going on or some cleverer things to say about it in my essays, right? When yeah. I went into some book, bookshop, I can't remember which one, or maybe it was the library, and asked for books about Sons and Lovers, there were fucking millions. And they go, Sons and Lovers in the context of the Industrial Revolution. Sons and Lovers and British foreign policy, right? What? Like, basically, extrapolating from the cortex into a million and one different, like, sort of social, political and cultural contexts, right? So... Um, so that our incredibly um, deep dives are not new. Yeah. No, it's what in the academic community they do it all the time. Fucking hell! I mean, look, like if you're in the academic community and that's how you decided to make a living, I'm going into your fucking academic, aren't I? In the academic community, mum, there's fucking loads of coin in that and fanny, right? <laughs> and uh, no, no offence, mum, but it's true. <laughs> 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 right and if you just go if you approach it like well here's a book we'll read the book and then we'll say what we think of what is written in the book yeah. you're gonna fucking you can't sustain a full-time job out of that mate you cannot sustain a full-time job they'd give you a part-time job at best and you'd be like fuck <clears throat> so what you have to do is all these academics conspire to inflate everything they study yeah. times a billion do you to know get, what I mean to get full-time work out of it stretch it out they should Stretch do. It out. They should just do a Patreon instead. Yeah. <laughs> Stretch it fucking out, right? Use right. your head. Use your knot. It's like builders. They'll like build you a pit, then they'll fuck off for three months. They could do it all in one day, but they're charging by the yeah. hour. So what's the point in that? Yeah. I mean, have you ever wanted to be an actor? I know we've you uh, and I have done live shows together, which involve some level yeah. of acting. Uh, skills but I mean have you ever wanted to be a serious I, I, actor I, I loved acting at school right but um, <clears throat> and I did a GCSE in drama and I was in all I was in all of the school plays right starring but, roles yeah yeah course. I must have told you this is like Pete Delaney right we fucking had to write our own okay. play in the fourth year yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> and I think the teachers gave us the sort of teachers gave us the setting and a very loose structure and the and the songs that they wanted to be in it right and there was a bit of a sort of a jazzy vibe right to it so it had a sort of Bugsy Malone kind of all in a speakeasy with some jazz music and that sort of shit going on right fantastic it was really good but listen to this right yeah so they said it was because we were doing our GCSEs they said right part of your coursework is you write the school play the summer play right so we go all right so we get together and sort of write it by committee but because i've got such a big fucking mouth i very much dominated the writing process right you don't say and and (laughs) i and i can't remember whether it was me who suggested this or not but i ended up being the main part that was the teacher's decision right that was the teacher's fucking decision but when we were trying to think of a name for my character, everyone else had had a character name given to them, right? And it was all sort of, you know, stuff like Molly Maloney and those kind of American Prohibition-type names, yeah? Yeah. And, uh, like, you know, 
Jimmy the Cat and all of that. And I was the main character, and yeah. I owned the bar where all the shit went down uh-huh. in this play. Yeah. And, and I can't name? remember if it was me or someone else suggested it, but the ca- my character's name was Sam Delaney. <laughs> I can't yeah. remember if it was me or if someone else suggested it. But listen to this, it gets worse, right? It gets worse. Then we had to think of a name for the play, right? As a result of my character name being Sam Delaney, which it was widely agreed sounded like a sort of a gangstery name from the 1930s. Yeah? Yes, kind of, yeah. Right. And the bar, it was all set in one bar, right? Like a speakeasy's type place, right? So, obviously, what was the name of the bar? Delaney's, right? Mm. The art department made a sign that went on the actually outside of the hall where we performed this play, right? Massive sign saying Delaney's. So when everyone arrived to watch the play, they walked into a room that had a big fucking sign above it saying (laughs) Delaney's, right? (laughs) Right, and then it's like, well, what's the play going to be called? Well, it's fucking obvious. You call the play Delaney's. Well, obviously, now, yeah. This was the school play. This was the school production, mm-hmm. right, of summer 1990, right? So the play's called Delaney's, mm-hmm. and they start printing up the marketing materials, photocopying it up, right, with mm-hmm. the uh, leaflets that are given out. The posters that go up around the school and the local area, advertising yeah. tickets, right? Jesus. And the yeah. little pamphlet you get given on the night with all the names of the did, cast so, and crew, I mean, did, right? Did it, say, did it say Sam Delaney is Sam Delaney in Delaney's? Correct. I've got it. I'll find it somewhere and fucking <laughs> put it on the Instagram, right? And but Fuck, these all said we're going to say Delaney's on them. So there would be posters up all around the school saying mm-hmm. Delaney's. And the local area. And the the local local area. area. My fucking school. My name are everywhere. Then I come in on the day where I'm all excited about this, and they've changed the name of the play to Blue Prelude, which was one of the names of the songs in the play. Call it what? Well, I've gone fucking apeshit. Blue Prelude. It's a song. Blue Prelude? Blue Prelude. Yeah. (laughs) It's like a jazz. It's a standard. Right. A jazz standard. Yeah. Is it? And I've gone fucking bananas. What the fuck is this? That's not the name of this fucking play. <laughs> Who made this decision? I demand answers. Bring them to Where me. Where are the posters? <laughs> well, in the end, I've gone and had it out with the head of drama, who was yeah. the director of the play. Yeah. And her and another teacher have sat me down. They said, listen, right? They didn't say it like this, but this was the gist of the conversation. We gave you the leading role. Yeah. We allowed you to play a leading part in writing the script. We even made a group decision for you to retain your own real name as your character name. Yeah? But... And 20% of the proceeds. (laughs) As as per your agent's demands. There is a general feeling that since you you discovered that um, it was... Since you discovered that the that the, the play itself was going to be called Delaney's and there was going to be marketing materials, you've been acting, and we won't say who said this, but various people have indicated it to us, you've been acting a bit of the fucking flash cunt, right? <laughs> you've been giving it the Billy Big Bollocks around the school, right? And the local um, area. 
and the local area. So, because you've acted such a cunt, we have decided to change the name of the play last minute to put you back in your fucking box, right? I don't doubt that they would have had a meeting about whether it was viable that they could sack me from the from the role altogether. Um, but I think they would have thought that at that late stage in the proceedings, it would have been too risky. So yeah. they just changed the name. And I was a bit gutted about that, but it was probably best for me. And But going back to your question, that's just one example of my short-lived acting career at school. Right. I was very often in prominent roles, but I realised, looking back, that what I was really good at was showing off. And showing off is very different to acting. Yeah. But I mean, there were you... some really good actors at my school, right? Who were yeah. not personality-wise as fucking big-mouthed mm. and cocky as I was, right? But they would turn up on stage and they would fucking act properly with nuance and subtext and all those other things. Whereas I would turn up a bit like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, so I mean, I'm not with, a good actor. With acting, I think often less is more, isn't it? And maybe yeah, those, I'm not... those other kids kind of had to. Mm do less is more just by default because mm. they, they couldn't compete with you for the uh, let's say the limelight more is more I, more t- is I more. took the I took the approach of more is more yeah. <laughs> and that's why I never made it in acting now I don't think I was a good actor but it's clear why I sort of pushed myself <laughs> how and why I pushed myself to the very front of things in this in my drama GCSE days mm. uh, but have you talking of less is more in acting have you ever seen there were, now you'll remember this program. It was, I think, it was one of those reporters from That's Life did mm. a show. I think it was called, it, yeah, it was. It was called In at the Deep End, and yeah. every week they would give him a different sort of job that he had to do and learn how to do professionally. Yeah, was it, was and like, it, it was a bit was like it faking it. Chris Searle, wasn't it? I think so. That's yeah, life. that's it. And there was one right where he had to be an actor, and as part of his, you know, he, go, he goes on a bit so, of a yeah. fact finding mission. Right, yeah. He goes on a fat finding mission to to for any of these jobs in all the episodes. I I went to speak to experts to see what the key things I need to know about this job was. So yeah. on the acting episode, he goes to visit Mister Oliver Reed at his home. Wow. And Oliver Reed gives him an acting lesson whilst clearly fucking inebriated. Right, <laughs> and he teaches him how to act, and he teaches him specifically how to play a hard man in a film, right? And the whole gist of it is how when you're playing a hard man, less is more. And it is yeah. one of the funniest fucking clips I've ever seen. Oh, mate. It was Paul Heine, it? Paul Heine, who was the other fella on um, oh. That's Life. But yes, it is on YouTube. Yeah. And, it's and he, goes, as... he does all this to him. He goes, it's... now, I, I've met many hard men. Right, he heavily implies that he's got like, like some of my best mates are hard men. Right, it's like yeah. that. Oliver Reed's really boasting about how many hard men he knows. A bit like me boasting about Chris Ryan, right? And he's going, and people always think that they'll be very aggressive and in your face, like I'm going to kill you. But uh, if you really want to be menacing, you do it very subtly, like this. I'll do. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> you've made me you've made me and, and he goes and they're very polite like this you've made me ever so cross I'm going to have to give you a smack bottom <laughs> <laughs> and it's true actually a lot of the great screen hard men like I only saw performance for the first time this year 
Right. And there's some great hard men performance in that where they all are very polite and courteous and softly spoken. It's the way to do it, isn't it? Well, yeah, that clip is on YouTube and that whole episode in At the Deep End, 1984, where Paul Heine tries his hand at being a film actor. The whole episode's on there as well. Jalapeño. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Jalapeño. Another funny acting masterclass, uh, which is quite famous online, is um, Michael Caine in the 80s doing a. I think it's called... It's one of those in the actor's... It's not in the actor's <clears throat> studio or something, but it's one of yeah. those sorts of shows. It's like masterclass or something like that, isn't it? It's a masterclass yeah. that he gives. The students and or something. it's very... It's really funny. It's Michael Caine. And I think Michael Caine has a cigar on the go and wears a massive leather jacket throughout this lesson yes. that he's given to these it's wannabe actors. 1985 or something like that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Round about the time he's just completed shooting on Jaws 4, right? And he, um, he, uh, yeah, there it is. It was, masterclass. It, it, it was parodied by Peter Serevenovitz. It was. I probably yeah. pronounced his name wrong, which is also brilliantly funny, the parody of it. Yeah. So I would recommend both of and those. And I've just found that as well. And I can see our good friend Alex Law. He's in it, yeah. He's in it. Alex Lowe's in it, and he's very funny playing one of the aspirant actors being coached by Michael Caine. <laughs> But Peter Serafinovitz is, like, really obsessed with the detail. He's obviously watched this clip a million times, and he's obsessed with the fact that um, Michael Caine wore this very large, squeaky leather jacket. So one mm. of the main running jokes in the sketch is how noisy the jacket is every time he moves. Yeah. <laughs> really stupid joke. But obviously brilliant. Yeah, Michael Caine teaches acting in film 58 minutes long. Fucking hell. Go out, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll stick we'll stick that on YouTube as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah that and the Oliver Reed, both well worth a watch. So yeah, so in conclusion, I am not a good actor, but if you are interested in the acting caper, check out those videos. <laughs> because it'll teach you everything. <laughs> you, I mean you need you're to know. a decent actor, aren't you? Me? I've yeah. not really done any. I mean, you Well, know. you know, on stage. I see you do act in uh, a bit in our show, but more in the Mints show which I have seen well, and enjoyed your acting in. If you can call it acting. I'd rather get my teeth into a more serious role, I think, if I could. Yeah. You know, I think, I, I would, I think, I think I've mastered, be really good I've mastered you comedy I, now. Do you know what I mean? I've yeah, mastered you have. comedy. And, and it's a bit like, who can we think... It's like when Jim Carrey started insisting that he wanted serious mm. roles and Adam Sandler did it too. I mean, did Dudley Moore and Peter Cook ever try to tackle Peter serious Cook. roles? Peter Cook tried it, I think, but he's, he, Peter Cook was a terrible actor. Right. I think he admitted that himself. But yeah, if you've got, if there's anybody out there who's got a role for me in a serious film, 
I think um, it would be good if we elevated ourselves because some <clears throat> people write us off as like idiots, <clears throat> clowns, bastards, cunts, yeah. all of this sort of Mostly stuff. Cunts, yeah. Or, th- th- these are the words that I hear bandied about on mm. the internet about us, right? And I yeah, think, okay, fair, but there is another side to us too. I think Stinking maybe we're going to have vermin. to. Maybe, some, maybe we'll have to write our own serious film that we can star in. Maybe I'll just a short film be, to begin with. Do you know what would be really good for us? What's that? Waiting for Godot. Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah. Have we not suggested this before? To That's ourselves? Beckett, isn't it? That's yeah. Beckett. And that is classic for. I'm sure you've got people like, you know. Aid Edmondson and Rick Mayle doing waiting for you. I think if, if you're two people who work together and you want to start people to start taking you seriously, you've got to do a production of Waiting for Godot. Yeah. So if any aspirant theatre director... I mean, we're, we're only interested in operating at a certain level, though, right? We don't want to do it in regional theatres, like no. small provincial town theatres. I'm willing... I'm, it's not just London. I'm willing to do any major city. Yeah, Berlin... Uh, New York, yeah, Milan. Um, I yeah. think what I mean, maybe we can incorporate some serious acting into the the live show we're going to do later in the year. That would be a good idea. And oh now, yeah, we could put that on the advert. We, we we could we could say, and now we we remove our comedy masks mm. and expose our true selves as we do some serious acting. We could do that. We could get we, we could, could do give a medley, Julian a Fellows a ring. Medley. We could give Julian Fellows a ring. And oh, get some advice yeah. from him, or maybe get him to knock up a script for us, because he's a friend of ours, isn't he? Yeah, or maybe just do some classics, like we could do a bit of King Lear, a bit of The Merchant of Venice, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we'll do that then. Shall we get back to... Um, yeah, Yesterday's what, Hero. Whatever it is, Yesterday's Hero, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's um, Rod... And he's uh, oh, I said Rod McDonald there. <laughs> Rod Turner is the <laughs> story of Rod McDonald. Rod Turner is in the working men's club with his, his former manager, uh, and he's been offered he's been offered a slate by Rita behind the bar. Um, so that's proof, as we said, that he's on the up. He's now. back on top. He's yeah, he's back on top. He's playing for Saints. He's scored in the cup semi final. They're in the final. Um, and he asks his ex-boss whose name I've forgotten what he thought of the game and he says you did yourself proud and Rods said uh, I didn't I played better than I have been but that's not saying much trying to do <laughs> acting here uh, so he's being quite self-deprecating and the boss says is Marsh giving you a hard time he says I can take it but he did catch me at half time taking a slug and threatened to suspend me <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, he just seems to think that there was nothing wrong with the fact that he would, he was necking whiskey um, in the in the dressing room at half time. Um, so he goes off to you wouldn't get away with that now, would you? If one of Gar- if Gareth Southgate found one of his young charges having a slug of whiskey, um, it wouldn't be like right. If I catch you doing that again, I might suspend you. Well, maybe you'd that's just why be out he- forever. Maybe that's why Jesse Lingard didn't make it into the squad. Maybe maybe Lingard. What? what? Lingard wouldn't do something I mean, like that. We've, it, we've might, seen... it might be like Jesse Lingard might have brought a parrot on his shoulder oh, yeah, into that's the what dressing I'm room. Say. We've seen yeah. footage of Lingard drinking and with a parrot on his shoulder. 
yeah. in recent days when we're, when we're recording this. Maybe he brought that along to the uh, the training camp. Maybe he brought the parrot along with him. Southgate, excuse me, excuse me, Jesse, but um, that's not really in keep. You're representing your country here. Apart from anything else, the parrot is not a country widely associated with England. <laughs> now, if it had been a lion, a hedgehog or a dog, I would have been perfectly okay with that. But a not parrot, all dogs. no. Not all dogs. Some of the bigger dogs. Not a chihuahua or anything like that. Or a poodle. That's for the French. Yeah. I mean, a decent English street dog. But yeah. this is a South, South American bird. This is the sort of bird you expect to be on the shoulder of... But I'm sure the Brazilians and the Colombians have parrots on all of their shoulders in the dressing room. And that's <laughs> fine for them, but not for us, Jesse. This is bad for morale and it's bad for our national image. Yeah, and that's him. I'm afraid you're out. That's him binned at the squad. Could have happened. Um, so Rod goes off to make a phone call. This is a bit that I love. There's a wooden phone booth in the middle of the snooker room in this working men's club, which is fantastic. It's got a door and everything. It's got to like open the door. It's like a phone box inside of a, inside a building. I miss phone boxes. Do yeah. You know what I mean? Going to a phone box and making a call. I miss that. It felt as though yeah, it felt it made you feel a little bit like John Le Carre style as well, didn't yeah. it? Do you know what I mean? It felt yeah. a little bit more special. Whereas now, you fucking make a call on your mobile phone willy-nilly. I mean, I don't do this anymore, but when mobile phones first out, I got into the habit of making unnecessary calls just for something to do. Because you could, yeah. So, yeah, just call some cunt up and start talking to them. It's like, they don't want to fucking hear it. But, but like, in those days, it was like, I will go into the call-up, put in my 20 pence. Mm. I know it was two pence in the 80s, but by the time I was using them regular... Although I used to like a phone card as well. My mother Ooh. would give me a phone card with one pound's worth of credit on it just in case I found myself in an emergency situation emergency and had card. to call home. <laughs> Have you got your phone card? Yes, I've got it, mother. <laughs> I'll call you okay. if I'm stuck. <laughs> Have you kept it where I told you? Yes, it's in my shoe. So none of the rough lads steal it off of me. <laughs> <laughs> oh god yeah, yeah two... a phone card in my shoe <laughs> yeah the two pence was the best because that was that was fucking hardcore stuff you had to dial mm. the number and then when they picked up you had a couple of seconds it would go beep 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 get beep, it beep, in beep. get it in and you had to yeah. push it but you really had to force the fucking two you pence had to push in because there was a weird bar blocking yeah. it yeah you I used just to panic really badly coin. yeah I was so delighted when phone cards came in because I used to fucking panic when you had to put the cone in. You could see it. There was a little sort of, like, blockage. You're yeah. like, why? Why don't you just make the fucking slot easily accessible? I know. I'll just fucking put my money in. I think it was mechanics, yeah. wasn't it? It was to do with connecting the call or whatever. Yeah, I hope it's that and not the fucking... They weren't just turning it into a, like, tricky arcade game that only the bigger lads knew how to play. Yeah. I'm sure there was ways around doing it as well. You can, put, my, I think you, my, can, you can put a coin on a piece of string or something like that and then pull it out again. Save your two you know pens. like when phone boxes got modern where they stopped being red phone boxes and mm. they were like not even a box but a lot of them were like just there was a phone it was attached to like the wall and then there was a glass box around the top just like a was shield. just a shield. Yeah. Yeah. And they made glass. I didn't like that. They started no, doing those those modern ones right. And we were walking back from the pub when we were about 16. 
and one of them had been shattered but the glass hadn't fallen out so you know when a, a, a large pane of glass is splintered all over so it looks like a massive glass spider's Beautiful web frosted pattern it was lovely but none yeah. of the um none of the glass had fallen out so it was just it was almost too tempting and I had a particular friend who, especially when we were drunk at that age, he, he was always destructive. That was what people respond to alcohol in different ways. And by mm. the way, when you're drinking as an adolescent, I've since learned your brain is still very much in a state of physical development. It is evolving physically every day. Yeah. And so when you take drugs and drink at that age, which most of us do, that's when we start. It has a particularly large impact because you're you're in group you're in it's like pouring some sort of fucking poison on a plant when it's just starting to spread. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. and there can be irre- irreparable damage at that stage, right? And so, anyway, we all kind of react to booze at that age in different ways. And he would get destructive, and it used to annoy me, to be honest, because you don't want to be the Lampard. But I'd always think, why do you have to fucking smash things and you know be destructive? after we leave the pub all the time because we're always having to run away from people because you've smashed something, right? Smashed someone's property. And he saw this phone box and I fucking knew it. I thought he's going to go for that because it's an open invite, isn't it? When it's all shattered and ready to blow. So he ran, but because the booth part of it was, it started above waist height. So he had to, he ran towards it and he had to leap. Last week, I thought, if he puts his hand through that, he's going to cut his hand really badly. Fucking so up. he leapt and did a sort of a shitty kung fu kick through the glass. Bang! <laughs> right? His leg went straight through. The glass went everywhere. But then his leg was stuck <sighs> in the booth over the, like, metal thing that was holding the boot, the, the frame. Yeah. The frame of the glass booth. And he was, it was really undignified because his leg was over it. There was broken glass over it and he was wobbling trying not to fall over, but he couldn't wrestle his leg out. To be honest, mate, do you know what I did? I just kept on walking. <laughs> Pretended that hadn't happened. I was that pissed off with him, because I'd had words with him before. He used to sometimes kick wing mirrors off cars, and it was just beyond a joke, right? I was like, I don't like this. I don't agree with it on a moral level, mm-hmm. and I wish you'd stop it, because one of these days, I'm going to get a clump for it as well, Right. And he wouldn't stop, and he smashed that fucking phone box in, and I left him stuck there. Good. Um, I've got no regrets. This this might sound like a kind of reactionary, middle-aged, old man kind of viewpoint, but I think what that young man needed was a short, short, sh- sharp shock. Yeah, I and mean, maybe you're right. a, sh- a short period in Borstal, perhaps yes. to set him on the straight and narrow. Because it yeah. sounds like it was out of control. Do you, are you still in touch with him now? What's he doing now? Very much so. Um, well, he's not destructive anymore. Uh, he still drinks. Has he been and... incarcerated at any point? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no comment. <laughs> but yes, <laughs> I suppose I've given it away. He has, yeah. Um, well, but I've got go another then. mate. Um, I've got another mate who uh, listens to the show. Actually, luckily, the one I was just mm. talking about doesn't. Um, and he he had he had to go to Borstal like youth youth prison for destructive and like adolescent behavior and i think he, he would probably admit that you know the fucking fear of god that put into him probably explains why he's now an upstanding member of the community a good yeah. father 
Um, and, uh, you know, he's living his best life. Well, doesn't drink, good. doesn't take drugs, doesn't, you know, what, uh, a fine upstanding man. Are you talking about yourself? You are. Are you referring to yourself? Well, I am I think I'm a decent dad. I don't take dr- drugs or drink, but uh, am I an upstanding member of the community? Don't know. But this, no, this guy, he's a, he's a good bloke. And it may, maybe, I don't know, but maybe the fact that he got put in chokey when he was young played a part yeah. in that. Okay. We'll so leave it come there. on, the British government. Start banging up our kids. You know, stop letting them away with so much and start yeah. getting them into fucking Feltham Youth Defenders prison. In a, in a prison. It'll yeah. be the making of them. Exactly. We'll, we'll leave it there because we've, um, yeah, we've covered a, a few seconds of the film again this week, but uh, we've had a nice yeah. time and that's the main thing. So we'll leave it there. Back with exactly. Next Everyone's week. enjoyed it. And uh, bring back national service. Be careful in prison, especially in the showers. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 